we do emergency intubation. Over one and a half million patients undergo tracheal intubation. What about cardiovascular collapse? Their next rescue move is to go to bougie. You should try bougie first. This is something that we're doing every day. Maybe we should really change our practice. Welcome everyone to Critical Care Perspectives in Emergency Medicine. This is Mike Winters from the University of Maryland School of Medicine in Baltimore. I'm so happy that you are joining us here on our final podcast for 2021. No, not our final podcast. We love doing lots of topics and discussions here on CCPEM, but we are at the end of another year. And gentlemen, we are at the end of, I believe, a decade of doing CCPEM. I know it's changed a little bit from where it started and the initial name, but we started this back in 2011. Hard to believe that it's been 10 years, but it has been just an amazing 10 years and I have very much valued our relationship and what we talk about here in terms of EM, resuscitation, and critical care. It really has been a wonderful experience and we hope that all of you throughout the last many, many years have benefited as much as we have in terms of engaging, talking about these tough topics and how things have really even changed over the course of the past decade in terms of many aspects of critical care and emergency medicine. Well, before we dive into our final topic of 2021, which is a really nice way, I think, to end the year here with a topic that spans and a study that actually spans a critical aspect of care, not only in the emergency department, but also in the ICU. But before that, before we get to this latest hot off the press trial, let me bring in Dr. John Greenwood, Dr. Rob Rodriguez, and Dr. Peter W. Gentlemen, as I said, hard to believe it's been a decade here as we wrap out this December 2021, approaching the holidays, a great time of year for so many of us. How are things? John, let me start with you. Thanks, Mike. It's been an awesome year. This year has been challenging. It's been hard. We've learned a lot, had a lot of really innovative things happen in such a short period of time. And I guess they say things that are worthwhile don't come easy. Well, it didn't come easy this year, but it's been really cool and a pleasure to be a part of. So thank you. All right, Rob, how are things? Things are going well. Um, headed into the Christmas season. Have a lot to be thankful for. And as John indicated, it has been a difficult year, a very difficult year. Lost my father this year, which was difficult for me, but very happy to share this podcast with all of you. And yeah. Well, as we had mentioned, Rob, at the time, you know, we knew about his passing and certainly have been with you, supporting you throughout that hard time and undoubtedly the tough times upcoming. And we are certainly sorry for your loss amidst this past year, but we are right there with you. Yeah, thanks. I definitely know that. Dr. W., how goes it in New Orleans? Yeah, Christmas season full on here. And we have a new guest at the table this year, which is Omicron. And we're just thankful for the providers that we have on the front line, both from the physician standpoint, our nursing standpoint, our respiratory therapist, and all the people that keep our critical access hospital buzzing and serving our public. This is not different from any of you across the country. And just a, a shout out to all those people that are keeping the doors open and providing emergency and critical care for our communities. Well said, Peter, John, and Rob. 
Well, let's dive into our final educational topic here. And it actually deals with a airway or endotracheal intubation issue that's been debated back and forth. Whether you're in emergency medicine resuscitation or critical care, we do emergency intubation, secure the airway, and then subsequently initiate mechanical ventilation for a whole host of things. And over the past 21 months, much of that has been for COVID. But with respect to actually performing endotracheal intubation or emergency intubation, rapid sequence intubation, however you deem it or term it, we have various methods to secure that airway. And traditionally, it's been done through endotracheal tube with a stylet that we've position, perhaps bending the distal end. But more recently, we've talked about the bougie and using that in first attempt to successfully secure the airway and then initiate mechanical ventilation. That brings me to a hot off the press trial that was, at the time that we're recording this, just published online in JAMA about 10 days ago. Brian Driver and colleagues, their article or their study was titled, The Effect of use of a bougie versus endotracheal tube with stylet on successful intubation on the first attempt among critically ill patients undergoing tracheal intubation, published online December 8, 2021, in the Journal of the American Medical Association. So, Peter, I'm going to turn to you, provide us with that background, a little bit more information, and really what Dr. Driver and his colleagues sought to do with what they've aptly termed the bougie trial. So, thanks, Mike. And Dr. Driver is a stud. He teaches in the difficult airway course as well. And so from just a background standpoint, over one and a half million patients undergo tracheal intubation each year in the U.S. And we have already cited here on this podcast that the failure to intubate on the first attempt can occur in up to 20% of intubations in the emergency department as well as in the critical care arena. First attempt failure can increase the risk of severe hypoxemia, which is a common complication of this procedure. It can also cause and lead to peri-intubation arrest, as well as to death. Historically, we know that most emergency intubations have been performed with our traditional malleable stylet that goes within the endotracheal tube. In most recent years, Many clinicians have used a bougie, not just in the U.S., but internationally, though primarily as a rescue device for difficult airway. So we're unable to intubate with the endotracheal tube and the malleable stylet. Then their next rescue move is to go to bougie. And so a recent randomized trial found that routinely using a bougie rather than an endotracheal tube with stylet increased first attempt success. However, this was conducted at a single site. And there's also been practice in the anesthesia practice in the UK to lead with bougie as well. And then from an objective for this paper to compare the effect of using a bougie versus an endotracheal tube with stylet on outcomes of tracheal intubation in emergency departments and ICUs across multiple health systems. And so what we'll do now is turn to Rob to talk to us about the study design. Rob? Yeah, Peter, thanks. This was a randomized, pragmatic, parallel group, unblinded trial. It had to be unblinded because of the procedure. It took place at 15 sites, seven EDs and eight ICUs in 11 U.S. hospitals. And so obviously there were some sites that 
conducted the trial both in their ED and in their ICU. In terms of inclusions, they included patients who were undergoing tracheal intubation with planned use of sedation and a non-hyperangulated blade. They excluded patients who were incarcerated, pregnant patients, the need for, and this is the biggest exclusion, the need for immediate tracheal intubation without time for randomization, and also excluded if the clinician themselves determined that the use of a bougie or a stylet was either required or contraindicated. So sort of uh, giving the operators in the study a little bit of leeway if they were absolutely convinced that they needed a bougie or if they were conversely convinced that they needed to use a stylet, these patients were also excluded. In terms of the intervention, patients were randomized in a one-to-one ratio to either a bougie group or the stylet group. In the bougie group, operators were instructed to use a bougie for the first attempted intubation, and they were basically to pass the bougie into the trachea have an assistant load the endotracheal tube without a stylet onto the bougie, advance the tube over the bougie through the vocal cords, and then withdraw the bougie and laryngoscope. In the stylet group, it's sort of a traditional method of operator. So you would use an endotracheal tube with a malleable stylet for the first attempt at intubation in the usual fashion, a sharp stylet with a distal bend of 25 to 35 degrees. Again, this sort of your traditional use of stylet and your traditional way that you would pass a bougie. In terms of their primary outcome, the primary outcome was successful intubation on the first attempt. And what do they mean by this? This was defined as a single insertion of the laryngoscope blade into the mouth and then passing the tube successfully by either a single insertion of the bougie into the mouth with the ET tube passing through it or a single insertion of the ET tube with the stylet into the mouth, sort of what you would practically define as a successful first intubation attempt. In terms of other secondary outcomes, they looked at the incidence of severe hypoxemia between induction and two minutes after intubation. And this was defined as an SpO2 of less than 80%. So those were the randomization scheme, the sites the operational techniques that they randomized to the primary and secondary outcomes. So John, what were the results in this study? Yeah, Rob. So overall, there were a ton of patients enrolled in this one. So they were even looking to try to pick up small differences in outcomes. So over 1,100 patients were enrolled for this study and only four of them were excluded. So basically left 1,102 patients total for the primary analysis. So they were divided fairly equally, about 556 in the bougie group and 546 in the stylet group. So pretty much right down the middle. The characteristics between each groups of this randomized study were about the same. So most common intubation reasons were either altered mental status or acute respiratory failure. So when we look at the operators or who was actually performing 
the intubations here. The most common was emergency medicine. And again, the sites that were included in this trial were high-functioning academic centers and high-volume community center. They had trainees there. So a lot of times the trainees were performing the intubations. And in fact, 62% of them were resident physicians. So these are the people I think we're hearing a lot right now about you should try bougie first, focused really at the residents or the occasional intubators as they might be called. So this applied directly to this group. And the operators have performed a median of 60 total intubations in their lifetime. So compared to our anesthesia colleagues, were not as experienced in that way. Video laryngoscopy was performed often. So in the bougie group, about 75%, as well as in the stylet group. And what about first pass success rate, which was the primary outcome? Well, it was pretty much the same. So the bougie group had first pass success at approximately 80% of patients as compared to 83% in the stylet group. So really there was not a significant difference between the two techniques. And when they had performed an adjusted analysis between any of the pre-specified subgroups, there wasn't any difference there either. Well, let's turn to the secondary outcomes, specifically severe hypoxemia. We might suspect that there could be a difference there. And well, it didn't turn out to be much of a difference at all. The bougie group had 11% of that secondary outcome and the stylet group about 9%. So again, not that much of a difference. But certainly there are some other questions, I think, as we read through this paper that we might think of, and some of the exploratory outcomes touch upon those. So maybe does it take longer with using a bougie as opposed to a stylet? Well, maybe about 10 seconds longer, but not that much. So the bougie group was about 124 seconds compared to 112 seconds for the stylet group. What about complications, right? We've all learned about if you pass that bougie too far, you can get past the right main stem and cause some primary tracheal bronchial injury. In the bougie group, that was 2.5% of an airway complication compared to 2.7% in the stylet group. And what about cardiovascular collapse? Certainly that's a most feared complication of patients who are requiring endotracheal intubation and maybe a slight uptick in the stylet group here. So 16.7% as compared to 12% in the bougie group. But if I'm thinking about biologic plausibility here, I'm not too sure I can wrap my head around a particular reason why a stylet might cause a higher incidence of cardiovascular collapse, particularly if the time to intubation isn't different at all. So I think that might just be a exploratory finding that you know, we might need to look into down the road. Now, certainly as far as limitations go, the authors noted a few. So they excluded patients with whom urgency of intubation precluded randomization. So maybe the sickest of the sick weren't included in this trial. And so that might be something to consider as we're applying this in our emergency departments or ICU. And certainly some of the equipment that they used for RSIs, like the hyperangulated laryngoscope wasn't used here. And, you know, that one kind of caveat here that they excluded patients for which a bougie was indicated. So certainly whenever we look at these randomized control trials, these large trials, we're asking about for routine use or for a very heterogeneous patient population, not necessarily when there's a definitive indication for one intervention versus the other. So that's always important to keep in mind as we're trying to apply this to our next shift. 
This was an unblinded trial. There's really no way to blind this. And they did not evaluate the use of bougie as a rescue device. So they didn't go a next step in their protocol after a failed first attempt particularly in the Stylet group, that whatever was up to the clinician's choice. So some limitations, but I think all of us, as we read more and more randomized control trials, have felt more comfortable interpreting these, but these are all very reasonable with respect to the publication here. Outstanding, John, in terms of review of the results limitations. Well done, Rob, in terms of the study. And Peter, you set the stage for the background in this particular study. And I think we have reviewed that initial single site or single center study that you alluded to, Peter, actually done by perhaps the same group of investigators looking at bougie and first attempt success in patients with difficult airway characteristics. And I think some of those take-home points from that initial study were that it actually did lead to increased first-pass success, especially in some patients such as obesity and those perhaps with cervical spine immobilization going straight to bougie first. Well, in this follow-up study, this large randomized trial of just about 1,100 patients across multiple sites in the ED, in the ICU, there really isn't a difference between bougie and endotracheal tube with stylet that's bent at that 25 to 30 degrees that I'm sure you teach, Peter, in the airway course in terms of first pass success. Doesn't evaluate it, John, you mentioned this, that they didn't look at this as a rescue device, but literally just going right to bougie, there wasn't a significant difference. And in that adjusted analysis, looking at the pre-specified subgroups, it didn't really seem to parse out even in those that had difficult airway characteristics. So this is something that we're doing every day. Intubating patients, we're looking at depending on where they're at in the ED, in the ICU, they do have different critical illnesses different circumstances, different comorbidities, and really we are trying to focus on limiting those complications of hypoxemia, peri-intubation, cardiovascular collapse, and peri-intubation cardiac arrest. How does this particular trial, we're 10 days from publication per se. Peter, I'm going to start with you first. How does the Bougie trial inform and or change your current practice? I got a laud driver for the study I don't know if the results of the study changed my practice. I feel it's very important that people who manage airways routinely are very comfortable with rescue aspects and the utilization of bougie. The first time for you to touch a bougie should not be when you're having difficulty. And so I think having routine practice with bougie is a great idea for trainees as well as practitioners so that you're comfortable with it. It's along the same lines of utilizing flexible fiber optics and having dedicated practice for that so that your skills are maintained. And so I think of Bougie as a great rescue device and one that I believe in. I don't know that this study changes that practice for me. All right, over to Dr. Rodriguez. (laughs) Peter, you stole everything I was about to say. First of all, I want to congratulate Dr. Driver. He is truly a stud. He's, he does outstanding research and is an, an amazing clinician as well. Congratulate him on this great study. And particularly getting this type of study out there pretty quickly after that initial trial that sort of suggested that people were pointing to that trial where Bougie was better 
people were starting to say, well, maybe we should really change our practice and teach that first. That went around in our residency. And I imagine there was some talk about that in other residencies, your residencies as well, that maybe we should really be teaching that first. So what this study does is shows that we don't have to do that. Bougie should probably remain where it is in terms of our choice of how to intubate. So that means that if you are doing that now, if you're using Bougie first now, it's okay to do that. If you're doing Stylet now, it's okay to do that as well. They're basically equipoise between the two. But I do absolutely agree with what Peter said, which is you really need to familiarize with both. And so we should be teaching both. Well said, both of you. Dr. Greenwood, you get to bring us home, close this discussion out. And well, I guess we're closing out 2021. What do you have to say about this trial? I think two things maybe to add on to the really important comments have already been said. Number one, the median number of intubations in this trial were 60 for the operators. So again, this really does apply to the emergency department intubator who may not do this on a daily basis in an operating room or in the ICU. So this is for us. I 100% agree with the fact that take as much practice as you can with using a bougie for when you need it, particularly at, at an academic center where I'm teaching trainees. That's a really valuable point that this trial does not change. And lastly, just from the sense of this is a randomized control trial that kind of showed something different than a single center observational study before. Once again, we're seeing that it's probably the confounders that really make a difference in these small observational studies that we're seeing not much of a difference when it comes to the trial. And that maybe a reminder not to swing so far after seeing that original study and take it into consideration and hopefully wait until someone talented like Dr. Driver does the randomized control trial so that we can really understand whether or not there's a difference and we should change our practice. So I'll just end with that. I think that's a great way to end, John. Thanks for summarizing all of that. And the three of you really for not only taking us through this particular study, but everything that we have discussed over the past 12 months. You know, it continues to be a challenging 2021, fighting different waves of COVID, different challenges as we've hit the fall and holiday season, not only with COVID and certainly a resurgence in infections and hospitalizations due to Omicron, but also those staffing challenges that we have talked about in more recent podcasts that we're facing now on top of that. But in no way am I de-emphasizing how challenging it's been, but certainly throughout the last 12 months, having this podcast, discussing various trials, points, and numerous topics regarding critical care, emergency medicine, and resuscitation with the three of you has been a highlight of the year, certainly. And we hope that all of you as listeners have gotten a lot of pearls hopefully avoided some key pitfalls in the care of your critically ill patient. As a result of many of the things that we've talked about, we've very much enjoyed having you as listeners over the course of 2021 and can't wait for some great continued education as we turn the page from December 31st to January 1st here in 2022. So gentlemen, any final thoughts before we wish everybody a happy holiday and a happy new year? No, just wishing everybody well and their teams well, and their pursuit of wellness during these challenging times. I'll jump in and just say, this is the time of year where it's really worth just taking a look around, find the joy in your life, 
find what makes you happy. Tell someone something that will brighten their day because we're all going through it. It's really hard, whether you're working in EMS, ED, ICU, whatever, tell them they're doing a good job. They really need it right now. And it's the perfect time of year to do that. I love both of those comments. I received a couple of out of the blue texts and emails from former residents saying how a positive effect we had in terms of my mentoring of them. And that totally made my day. I would suggest, yeah, just send out a text or an email to somebody from your past and make their day. I thought that was great. And also make sure all your family members get a booster vaccine. Very important. Very important, Rob. And thanks to the three of you once again. And we thank all of you as listeners here to CCPEM. Please let us know if you have any questions regarding the Bougie trial. And also send us any topics that you want to hear. We are going to have some exciting new topics to start off 2022. We always do our annual lit review of some key points and articles from 2021. We're also going to get started early in 2022 talking about some aspects of cardiac arrest resuscitation based upon recent trials, bicarbonate therapy in the critically ill, and some additional COVID trials as that continues to unfold. So a lot of stuff that we are excited to talk about, but we'll wait. We'll wait till you all have a wonderful holiday celebration, and we're wishing you nothing but the very best and a very happy new year. We will talk to you in 2022. Bye for now.